Hey, guys, can we give Harvey a round of applause as he comes up on stage? I, I'm going to give him so much trouble in staff meeting next week about this. Welcome, everyone. Not only was there a miracle in Bethlehem, there's a miracle that I remember to be back up here on stage to start this service. You know, the world did change with a star, but it, uh, the star didn't have a contract. The star didn't have a following. The star showed us that God gives hope. Today, we're going to be here to share with you the hope that comes because Jesus Christ was born and he came to us and he said, I love you so much. I will give you something. The world has nothing that they cannot give you, and that is joy. So we're going to celebrate the joy of the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Father, we bless you, and we praise you, and we ask that you would come here and inhabit our praises, and that you will speak joy into the life of each of us who are here today, that your message of hope will come into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, and welcome. All right, everybody, stand on up with us. We're going to sing some songs today. Joy to the world, the Lord is called. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare room. Heaven and nature see, and heaven and nature see, and heaven and heaven and nature. Sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Hey. No more let seed and sorrows grow, nor thrones invest the ground. Of his love, come on. 
wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love.
Amen. Thanks for singing with us, guys. You can go ahead and take a seat. Kiddos, come on up when the video starts. My name is Eliana Anderson. The story of Christmas. One day, an angel came to visit Mary. And the angel wanted to tell Mary something important. That she was going to have a baby. <laughs> but it was a very special baby. Because God was going to give her the baby. She was going to get married to a man, Joseph. And he has a green shirt. So they had to pack up to go to Bethlehem. They got on a donkey named um, Seesaw. When they got to Bethlehem, there were a lot of people there. Telling them, do you have any room? Nope. No room. So they were sitting with the cow and the lambs and the birds and a horse. They were in, I forgot what it's called. Oh, the stable. Mary and Joseph had to get ready for the baby. Making a cradle. The baby's born. And angels came. They talked to the shepherds. And they said that, come to the manger. And they followed the store to go to the manger. Star. Guys walking on camels. And they look at wise men. And they saw this big bright star in the sky. So they decided to follow it. They were bringing presents to the baby. And when they got there, they saw baby Jesus there. They were giving gifts to Jesus for his birthday. I give gifts to people when it's Jesus' birthday. Happy birthday, Jesus.
Did you know this is the 98th Christmas that the people of Foothills have celebrated together? The very first was held on Sunday, December 20th, 1925. Since then, the spirit of generosity has run strong and deep within this church. Over those 98 years, we have started and built multiple buildings to worship in. A children's home for neglected children, a retirement home for those in need, a camp in Fairfield for children and teens, a college. We've started multiple churches here in America and abroad, a sustainable farm to feed hundreds of orphans in Haiti, one of the longest running food pantries in the Treasure Valley, and a clothing closet. All the while staying focused on Jesus as a center of our faith and remaining faithful to the teachings in the Bible. Whether popular or not, we have chosen not to compromise the truth of Jesus Christ or his call to minister to a broken world. We helped start a church at Ground Zero after 9-11. We held the first HIV conference for churches in the 90s. We kept our doors open during COVID. We started the Salty Pastor podcast to coach people in thinking for themselves and give them tools to be a voice against the ideologies attempting to indoctrinate our children. We've also partnered with schools to increase educational access. All of this and so much more because of that original spirit of generosity that started 98 years ago. So when you choose to give to Foothills, you're becoming a part of a powerful legacy of generosity that has been making a difference in this world for almost a century. Our Christ's birthday offering is an opportunity for you to be a part of that legacy. This year, we hope to invest in staff to develop new ministry within our community, to fix our freezer for our food pantry, to offer mental health counseling and coaching to those really struggling, to renovate a cabin at the Christian camp in Fairfield for students, support crisis pregnancy ministry, to paint the auditorium and get new chairs, to expand our ministry to children and students. We have a challenge gift of $135,000 to start things off, simply meaning that when you give, it will be matched up to that amount. There's a long history of generosity in this church, and by giving, you become a part of it. Join with us in reaching our goal of $350,000 so that we can be the best church for our community that we can be. There are a number of ways to participate. You can give through the app, our website, through texting, and through the orange offering boxes at the back of the auditorium. You can even donate stocks or assets by contacting harv at foothills.org. Even though we celebrated our first Christmas 98 years ago, we are a church filled with new vision, new passion, and we are looking forward to new adventures in expanding the kingdom of Jesus. Come and be a part of that legacy as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's awesome. Awesome. Hey, when you guys came in today, you had two things on your seats. You had a candle. That's for later. And then you guys had this little communion guy here. And um, we're, we're going to take it later in the song, but I just want to get a setup for it. So just so you know, you know, you turn it upside down, you got the bread on the top, and then you flip it around, then you do the juice on the other side there. Um, before that, though, in Matthew 26, Jesus is uh, just about ready to be crucified. So he's hanging out with his guys, and they are talking and eating a meal. And he broke the bread, and he gave it to them. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's my broken body. And then he said, take this wine, drink this wine in remembrance of me. Because Jesus' blood brought a covenant. Back in the day, they would sacrifice animals in order to be purified, to be uh, reconciled. And Jesus knew he was going to pay that ultimate price. 
So this arguably to Christians, and if you're not a Christian yet, maybe that's your day. This could be possibly the most powerful thing in your life because it's forgiveness. It's reconciliation. It's, it's a clean slate. And uh, Paul talked about how we should uh, examine ourselves and, and analyze ourselves. Maybe some of us should repent. Maybe some of us needs to pray for somebody. But we just align our hearts before the Lord. So this next song is one that we love. It's one that you guys probably love too. And we're going to play it. Just You can just take a seat, keep sitting, and then we'll, uh, we'll bring you guys up and we'll, we'll take communion together. So.
guys want to stand with us, please? Let's take it out. And let's, uh, let's do the bread first. Fill that off. Father, we just remember that your body was broken. God, that we can be made whole. Let's take and eat it. The juice next. God's blood that frees us, the sins that forgive us. Let's drink. Father, we're grateful for the power, God, of communion, for the power of being together, for what Jesus did on that cross that unites us. God, we worship you. We put you first in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing this together. Let's sing this together. Father, we just want to come into your presence right now. We want to thank you that we're celebrating the kingdom that you brought when you were born as a babe in Bethlehem. And what you brought in this kingdom is your presence. You came from heaven, God, and you, you took the form of a bondservant. And from that moment forward, what you accomplished on the cross and your resurrection is that your presence is ever with us. And so, God, right now in this moment, I pray that your presence would be prevalent in every person's life, every person listening or watching online. God, I pray for the families that have all come together in this time and they're filled with joy and they realize your presence is what made it possible. I pray for those blended families that are trying to bring together all of these uh, different celebrations into one. I pray, God, that your presence would give them encouragement and strength and kindness and mercy and forgiveness for one another. God, I pray for those single parents who are having to do Christmas all on their own and carry the whole load. God, I pray that your presence would lift them up and encourage them and, and God, give them inspiration, realizing they're not doing this on their own, but you are walking every step along the way with them. God, I pray for those who have had tremendous loss over the last year, a spouse or a parent, a child or a brother or sister, God. And now for the first time they're going through this Christmas, they feel isolated and alone. And God, I pray that you would let them know that they are not alone. They are not alone, God, but your presence is with them because of what we celebrate this day. 
God, I pray for those who are struggling with addiction or struggling, God, with some form of a burden in their life. God, those who may have an illness or something that is, is weighing heavy on them. God, I pray for them that your presence would let them know that they're not trapped, and that they can have hope. You will encourage and strengthen and give them, God, the, the inspiration they need to be an overcomer and, and victorious in this situation in their life. God, I pray I pray for our nation and our country, God, that your presence would overwhelm the, the division and the anger and the selfishness and narcissism in our society and allow people to treat one another with dignity and respect once again. God, I pray that what we celebrate in your birth is a celebration of hope. It's a celebration of joy. It's a celebration of peace. It's all the things that we long for and we desire, God. I pray that this year, we more than any other year, God, we experience your love, your love for us, your love for our fellow man, your love for your people, and your love for your kingdom, God. And I pray that we can walk in it, live in it, breathe it, and experience it like never before. All because of what you did 2,000 years ago. In your precious and holy name I pray, amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, well, it's just so good to have all of you sharing uh, your Christmas Eve uh, with us. We are so glad you're here. One of the things that we do, a tradition in our church, is we like to explain kind of just the foundation of what you know, following Jesus is all about. We call it the gospel, which is a simple word meaning the message of truth. And in order to do that, one of the things that we're going to have to talk about today is drums. Oh, I love drums. You know, the thing about drums is that it is the oldest historical musical instrument that we know of. As a matter of fact, they have a drum that dates to the Neolithic period. That's 5,500 BC. So that's over 7,000 years ago. It was made out of stone and they would beat the side of this thing and it would make this resonating sound. Now, another uh, uh, thing that happened is there was a civilization by the name of Dong Sun in Northern Vietnam and they've long since gone, but they're the ones who invented the bronze drum. And it sounds kind of like a gong when you hit it. And then there is, of course, about 1000 BC. This is all stuff a long time ago. Uh, is the Japanese came up with the taiko drum. And it's a, it's a, today it's one of the most powerful and popular things among Japanese people to attend a presentation of the drums being played. And it's, it's a really amazing thing to watch and to hear. Here, here's kind of what it looks like a little bit. It's really amazing. It's a physical expression as well as a musical one. They say it's the most popular thing that the Japanese people go to. And there's no melody, there's no words, there's, no, there's only drums. That's it. And so it's really quite remarkable. It, it, we have records as early as 200 BC, 200 years before Christ was born, in the Roman Empire, that African drums were, had come into Rome and all throughout Greece 
the whole Roman Empire, were using them. And African drums, of course, are different. They have a different uh, structure to them, but they also have a different sound and kind of a different rhythm to them. And that's, this is what this is like. Sorry, I was getting my groove on there. That's kind of, that's kind of fun. So uh, drums are really quite amazing. You know, they also started to, uh, uh, they use them to communicate. You know, in the early Americas, uh, the Native Americans, you know, you always knew you were in trouble when you heard this. Right? The beating of the war drums. You know, drums then started uh, being at the forefront of all in Western civilization of every battle and particularly revolutions. You know, in America, the earliest uh, representation of some of artistic representations of our uh, revolution was uh, having drummers and the fife at the forefront of the battle. So I think we have another picture of that up there as well. Just kind of uh, reminds us of what was happening in how drums have evolved over time. And then there is, of course, uh, today, drums are the rock of every band that you have out there. One, uh, some people consider uh, Neil Peart one of the greatest drummers ever. And uh, he has passed away now, so we can say that posthumously without any worry. And what's really interesting is that this is how he would play the drum set. Wow, that is something else, you know. I do that in my spare time, you know, just kind of drinking dog. One of the things that's interesting is about drums is that uh, they are the foundation, right? They are the rock on which all the other instruments play. Uh, when the rhythm is strong, when the rhythm is clear and it's in tempo, guess what happens? All the other instruments play together and they sing. It's, it's, it's a harmony, the harmonies pop. It's an in sync type thing. They all flow together and you're moved by what the song or music expresses. All because there is an invisible power that makes it all possible. And you know what that invisible power is? It's called rhythm. It's really fascinating. It's rhythm. And what rhythm is, is it's an invisible power that makes it possible for all the instruments to play together. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's one of the best ways to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, think about your life for just a moment. Just consider your life and where you're at. In a way, there's all kinds of things going on in your life. They're like instruments, right? And you're having to play all these different instruments. Well, first of all, your friendships. Your friendships are an instrument, right? And you kind of have to manage them. If you do it poorly, you don't have any friends. If you do it well, you have friends. What about your community, the, the place where you live, right? What kind of a community do you want to live in? What about your work life, your career? Right? Your career is an instrument, and if you don't play it well, it has consequences. If you play it well, it has blessings. What about your romantic life, like your marriage? Whether you're married or not, whether you'd like to be married or not, guess what? That is an instrument, and if it's not played well, has impact in your life. 
If you're married and you're not playing it well, guess what happens? Your life is not fun. It's difficult. But if you learn to play that instrument well, guess what? You benefit of, wow, things are going really, really well on that front. What about family? You know, your kids. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we used to live in a nation where you're, uh, the whole community around you, everybody all had the exact same values, but America's become a very diverse per- place now, and so there's all these different values, all these different things that are happening. And so you've got to really endeavor to play that instrument well in your life, right? Extended family. Wow, sometimes Christmas can create more stress in a person's life because, you know, you end up doing four or five or six different Christmases, right? It's like, this is, wow, that's way too many. What about your pursuits? What are you doing in your life that brings you fulfillment? You know, what are you doing in life that you like to do, you know, whether it's adventure or hiking or travel or maybe playing music or whatever it is that brings your life fulfillment? What is it? Well, you got to take time to play that instrument because all work and no play makes Jack what? A dull boy. And then there's money. Oh my goodness. Money is such an interesting instrument in life. You've really got to learn how to play that instrument because if you don't, all the other things in your life, all the other instruments are influenced in a bad way. If you learn how to play that well, it has a blessing on all these other instruments in your life, right? See, these are all instruments, and like any instrument, there's a certain level of skill and practice, and you have to learn how to get better. So, so how do you get, this is what's really challenging, how do you get all these different instruments to play one song that's an awesome song? How do you get all of these things to come together so that your life plays a really great song? And that's why the birth of Jesus is such a big deal. You see, when Jesus came into this world, and as he lived, when he died on the cross for us and was raised from the dead, he brought a kingdom into this reality, to this realm. And what's interesting is the birth of Jesus is an invitation to you to live in a kingdom where there is a powerful, never-changing, consistent rhythm, an invisible force that is a foundational rock in your life. It is the rhythm that lets you play all these other instruments in a way that they come together and your life becomes a really great song. Now, this is in contrast to the kingdom of this world. Because the kingdom of this world, guess what? It has all these different rhythms that it's asking you to use in the pursuit of them. Now, I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying that these things are kind of the reality of the world in which we live. And that is one of the things that is important in our world is control. We, we encourage people, you need to be in control of your life. You need to take responsibility for your life. Your career is your responsibility. You know, you need to take control of it. It's up to you to do what you need to do. You need to be in charge. You need to chart your own destiny, take your own steps, follow through. So, okay, that makes kind of basic sense to me. Uh, but then we also have another thing is, well, there's a lot of power, right? You got to know 
who has the power, who doesn't. You, you act differently if you have power than if you don't have any power, right? And so, you know, when you go to work, right, there's a thing called a pecking order, right? And you have to find out where you fit on it. And then you've got money, you've got influence, you've got excitement, fame, recognition, intimacy. All of these things are instruments that make up qualities of your life. But what I find so fascinating, here's a deeper question I want to ask you, is have you ever noticed that the rhythms for each of those things are different? For instance, if you're going to be in control, right? And there's certain things you should be in control of, right? But if you're going to be in control, chart your own course, make your own decisions, have it all come together, guess what? That works really well in your career or your educational life, but how does that work in intimate relationships, right? Does, does it work really well to control your spouse, right? How effective is that? No, you see, they contradict because when you're in this area, the area of love, you're supposed to do what? You're supposed to be selfless. You're supposed to give up and you're supposed to be vulnerable. Now, what I see in that, and this is my point, is that you have a different rhythm and those different rhythms conflict, right? Yeah, I, I knew a couple a while back and they were just asking, well, we're having some communication problems. And I just I said, well, what's that about? And she says, well, at work, right, he is in charge, okay? He's the owner of the business. Then he comes home and he thinks I'm his business. I said, you see, what happens is when you take the rhythm of one and you try to apply it over here, it just doesn't work, does it? Money is a perfect example. I just read a book called uh, Psychology of Money, and it's really fascinating. He's making these points about it. He says, you know, what's really interesting is that you have to play by these rules this rhythm, when you are earning money, when you're making money, okay? But once you get to this point of prosperity, he says, you know what happens? Is you've got to change the rules that you function by in order to keep it. And he says, this is what's so difficult about money is that the rules that you use to get it change once you have it if you want to keep it. That in of itself says to me that even that one area, you have two conflicting rhythms. Two conflicting rhythms. And when the rhythms contradict, when you try to use one from one area in a different area of life, guess what? Life doesn't work out. And this is why you can do really well in one area, but really poorly in another. And like staves of a barrel, guess what happens to your life? You only seem to do as well as the lowest stave of the barrel, right? So wherever you're doing the worst, is what dominates your attention. This is why no matter how hard you try, you're never satisfied with life. This is no, no matter how much you get in order in one area of life, if there's another area that's not in order, guess what? You're frustrated and you are aggravated. And this is something that is really so important, is what people who follow Christ have discovered is that Jesus answered this question for them. And this is how he did it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says to everybody who is struggling with all these contradictory rhythms, all these rules for different things in their life, and they can't fit it all together. They're frustrated. They're aggravated. They, you know, they, they have had enough. They are worn out. They're exhausted. And Jesus says to them in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Now, what is a yoke? A yoke was a big wooden beam, and it was about eight feet long, maybe 10 feet long or so. And what it was is you would put it on the shoulders of two oxen right next to each other. And so they would be linked together, strapped together, and what they would do is they would pull together. They were powerful. It was a powerful setup that allowed them to till the ground. So if you know much about tilling the ground, it takes a lot of energy to break up ground. It just takes a lot of energy, a lot of strength to do that. Oxen could do that as long as they were yoked together. So Jesus is saying this, is when you have a yoke, that means you have one single rhythm in your life, and that rhythm comes from me. You are tied to me. And when you discover that, you find rest for your soul. Now, some people are afraid to tie themselves to Jesus because they're like, well, I'm not sure I want that or not. But he says, you can trust me because I am gentle and humble in heart. He goes, my yoke is comfortable. My burden is light. So you can be over here in the kingdom of the world and you can have all these different rhythms that contradict. You can try to learn how to juggle the hats, spin the plates, do all this kind of stuff in your life. But you're ever, always going to be dissatisfied, never fulfilled. But when you come into the kingdom of Jesus, you realize, wait a second, there's only one rhythm. And when I know that rhythm and when I learn that rhythm... Then I start to understand how all these other instruments I'm playing fit in. My life makes sense. A single beat eliminates the weariness of life. A single beat eliminates the burden of life. The single beat uh, eliminates the frustration of trying to make every piece in your life fit together. A single beat, when you discover it, is comforting, restful, it's peaceful. So when you live in the kingdom of Jesus, what you discover is a foundation from which all of these different instruments in your life can play in harmony with one another. They're in sync. When you live in the kingdom of Jesus, there's a foundational rhythm that actually matches the original beat of your soul. It fits. It's a rhythm that never skips a beat. It never gets lost. It never falls off tempo. And the more you learn to hear and trust the rhythm, the stronger your life becomes. Why? Because when the rhythm is strong and you understand it and you grasp it, guess what happens? All the other instruments that you're playing, you play more confidently. There's an old cliche in the music world, and it kind of goes like this. You can take average musicians, average guitar player, you know, average singers and stuff like that, and you give them a top-notch drummer, and they will all sound like top-notch musicians. Or you could take top-notch musicians, and you give them a mediocre drummer, and guess what? They'll sound like mediocre musicians. I think a drummer wrote that proverb, but... But if there's some truth to it, think about that for a moment. The rhythm of your life that you choose to base on all the instruments of your life, when you know what it is and you've learned it and your heart resonates with it, guess what? Your marriage is better because your rhythm that you're listening to is not a rhythm of the world. It's a rhythm of what? It's the rhythm of the kingdom of God that comes from the heart of Christ. 
When you're managing your money, what are you doing? You say, I'm not listening to the rhythm of this world. I'm going to listen to the rhythm of the kingdom of God, which comes from the heart of Jesus Christ. When you look at your family and your friends and your work life and your business decisions, and the list goes on and on and on, all these instruments that you have to play, they all fit because they all have one rhythm. And the stronger your life is, becomes. That is the essence of the gospel. Because when there is a single beat, a single rhythm, and all of these instruments are playing, they start to play a song. And you know what that song says? That song says love. That song says joy. That song says peace. That song says hope. That becomes the song of your life. Doesn't that sound good? It is. It's what we all need and want. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And this is why Jesus is inviting you to be a part of his kingdom. Now, you might have a question. If, if you're not a follower of Christ, you might have a question. Say, well, how do I accept the invitation? How do I enter into the kingdom? Well, in John chapter 11, Jesus said this. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So it's something about believing in Christ. Now, Paul, the apostle, says this in Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're interested in that and you'd like to know more about it, we have a booklet called How to Connect to Jesus. It's where these verses are just written out and you interact with them yourself. Uh, we have some here on campus. If you're watching online, just go to the website, and the resource tab, and it's right there, how to connect to Jesus, download it, and it's your time between you and Christ to accept his invitation. But there's something I need to let you know first before you do that, okay? A very important truth, and that's this. If you accept his invitation and you want to move into the kingdom of Jesus, you got to give up your drumsticks. That's right. You can't be your own drummer in the kingdom of Jesus. It just doesn't work. As a matter of fact, Jesus addressed this in Luke chapter 9, where he says the following, verse 23, he was, he was talking to the people and he says, if you want to come after me, in other words, you want to accept my invitation and you want to come into the kingdom of Jesus where there's a single rhythm that brings your whole life together, he says, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to let go of all these rhythms that you have in your own life, right? You got to let them go. He says, you must take up your cross every day and follow me. Now he tells us why this is such a big deal, why it's so stark. I can't be my own drummer in the kingdom of Jesus. No, you cannot. You have to let go. He says, this is why. Because everyone who is over here and wants to save their life because they think I'm playing life by my own drum, I'm charting my own course, you end up losing your life. No matter how good it sounds on the surface, in the end, it never works out. You always lose. But he says this. He says, everybody who loses their life and accepts the one rhythm of Christ the one rhythm of the kingdom end up saving their life. 
Whoever loses life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. A saved life, a redeemed life, a whole life, a complete life. You know, it kind of reminds me of this, uh, of a guy by the name of Jim Kelly, okay? Now, Jim Kelly, uh, for all of you who do not know who he is, he is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's most widely known for being the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills a couple decades ago. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame because he has, you know, yards passing, t- touchdown passes. Uh, he has all these records, many of them that still have not been broken. He's mostly known for the fact that it, he did something that no other quarterback has done. In four consecutive years, he took the Buffalo Bills of the Super Bowl back to back, one, two, three, and four. Now, they were never able to win it, but that's pretty amazing to win the AFC Championship and be there four consecutive years in a row. Now, one of the things is, of course, he also made a lot of money. He made a lot of money doing that, and he took that money, and you know what he did? He invested it, and then he started foundations, and these foundations benefit you know, the, the upper New York state, right? And so, so not only has he famous in football, he's now become famous as a philanthropist and everybody else, he has this one benefit thing with his son's name on it. He got thousands and thousands of people show up because he's so well-respected. So here's a guy that had the instrument of fame power. He had the instrument of money. He had the instrument of influence. He had the instrument of family. He had this instrument going for him, but it wasn't quite right. He was not playing with a singular rhythm in his life. And at 63 years of age, just two months ago, this happened. Isn't that cool? Here's a guy that you think that has everything, but he realized something is that he didn't have what he needed the most. That is a single rhythm. You know, the thing about the rhythm of Jesus Christ, the rhythm of the kingdom, is that it always seems to resonate because it is such a deep and rich rhythm. It's a rhythm that never changes. It's a rhythm that you can always rely on. It's a rhythm that beats often in tune with your own heart. When you accept the invitation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you live in His kingdom, you start to realize this is where my heart was meant to be. And it allows all the other areas of your life, all the other instruments to come together to be able to sing. That's a life that you were meant to live. So I'm telling you, you should always accept the invitation of Jesus to live in his kingdom.
Man, I hope you had as much fun as I did doing that. Cruzana, 
Pastor Doug, I didn't know you had that in you. I want you to know, I agree with you. I didn't know that either. That's crazy. Hey, one of the things we like to do is we like to finish our time together with the singing of Silent Night. And one of the reasons why is because it's meaningful to us. And that is, is that when you accept the invitation of Jesus, you usually don't do it with a marching band at your back. You do it in a quiet and simple way, just between you and him. And the thing is, is the candle that you hold in your hand, that's like your heart. And the flame that lights it is Christ. Think of that as we sing together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, verse together. Just our voices. his face to shine upon you. And if you heard his call tonight, his invitation, I pray that you accept, come into his kingdom. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> now, if you'd be so kind as to cover your flame and blow it out,
And then after a moment, just set it back on the seat for the next service. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming.